I was just having a conversation uh, with a friend, and we were kind of talking about the book of Revelations and end times, and it still sometimes feels so uh, far off, you know what I mean? And when the, when the end times talk about persecution, and, and to be honest with you, we don't feel the level of persecution here in the States that is happening right now all over the world. And, and th- those seven men, they are experiencing end times persecution because their life is on the line. Every single minute of the day, every morning they wake up, they are not sure if that will be their last, but they are giving it all for the gospel. So even though you may not be feeling the, you know, the, the persecution as the Bible talks about persecution, would you be praying for those who are uh, uh, feeling it and who are living in countries where they are being persecuted uh, on a level that, to be honest with you, we, we're not even familiar with? And, and sadly, there may become a day that we might, uh, but let's at least for those right now who are in the midst of it, uh, be keeping them in prayer. Uh, uh, I do, though, want to um, go, go back to, we took a break last week for Mother's Day, uh, but I do want to go back to uh, my sermon series on where it all began. Uh, and I love, I don't know about you, but I, I like to know why we do things, right? Why do we do things? Uh, for example, around Christmas time, why do we do all the things that we do? You know, why do we have a Christmas tree, right, in our, in our house? Uh, I actually found two stories uh, about the Christmas tree that was actually pretty cool. And they were both birthed out of uh, uh, men who were missionaries. Uh, one being, um, I believe, Martin Luther himself uh, used the Christmas tree as an illustration. Uh, another one was St. Boniface uh, also used the, uh, the, the fern or the, the small fir tree or whatever uh, also to, to combat at the time, which was uh, they, there was a group of people uh, in kind of Germany at the time, Germanic kind of, and they worshipped trees. It was really weird and things like that. So he used this tree, uh, obviously, to illustrate the gospel, and that's kind of how the Christmas tree got involved in Christmas. Like, why a tree? Why do we put trees in our house? Uh, and those were the two guys that kind of helped, you know, feed that, that narrative. But I always like to know why, why do we do things? Why do we do this? And, and if you don't know, why, why do we do this? Why do we gather together as the church, right? Why does when Sunday morning come around, why do we all get up and put on our, you know, at least we used to, put on our Sunday's best? By the way, I, my dad's here today. Uh, and uh, I have a picture uh, of me and my dad. I think my mom had made us both like uh, the same outfit. I don't know what it was, but we're both in three-piece suits. Who remembers three-piece suits, right? So by the way, I'm like this tall to my dad. I must have come up to his thigh. He's in his three-piece suit, and I'm in my three-piece suit, and we're going to church that morning, man. That was, when I was growing up, that's what church looked like. Did that look like for anybody else? Does that what church looked like? You put on the suit and tie and the three-piece suit. Can you imagine a little Matthew walking in on a Sunday morning in a three-piece suit? Yeah. Yeah, oh, oh well, yes. <laughs> this is my aunt right here who remembers vividly what I, what I looked like. Um, but what, where did that all come from? Why, what is this you know, uh, this thing that says that we have to get together for church. And, and of course, you know, I love to know why we do things. Because if I'm going to do it, I better know the reason behind why, why I'm doing it. 
Well, uh, there is the birth of the church, and I, and I, I don't want to um, you know, talk about it too much because I, that's where I started two weeks ago, uh, and if you'd like to listen to that, uh, we have it on podcast. Um, but uh, basically, the church was birthed when, when Jesus, right, he's with his disciples, and he uh, has already uh, resurrected, and he has shown himself to his disciples, and he's, and he's, you know, there's even a period of time that he walked amongst them again. But he gathers his disciples together and he ascends to heaven. But he says to them, listen, I, I'm not going to, to leave you alone. I am going to send, he, you know, he, there's different words. He uses the advocate. I'm going to give you the advocate. And we talked about, you know, the last time we talked about what that meant, what an advocate meant. You know, someone who fights for you. He also used the term, I'm going to, I have a gift that I will give to you. This gift, which refers to this, this free thing given to you, whether you think you're deserving of it or not. That it has been freely given to you, this, this gift. And we also know as the, uh, you know, this gift as the Holy Spirit, which Jesus talks about, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to leave you to yourself. I will go and I will sit at the right hand of the Father, but I will send you the Holy Spirit. And that is where the church was birthed. And of course, we all know the story. I read it two weeks ago. Where they all gather. He says, go. He says, don't leave until the gift has been given to you. So they go gather in what we know as Christians as the upper room. And they're hanging out there, all of his disciples, not just the twelve. But uh, they were all, or minus, you know, Judas, but they, later Judas would be replaced. But they're all up there, and they're praying, and they're waiting. And we know how the story goes. They're waiting, and it says like a mighty rushing wind that comes through and rips through the upper room. Uh, what was seen, what looked like flaming tongues of fire on each one of their heads. And it said each one of them began to speak in a language that they didn't know themselves, but was understood by all these different, you know, uh, cultures that represented, which would have been, they would have been all uh, coming into Jerusalem at the time. So this great thing happens. And then to top it all off, Peter, right? Peter, one of the disciples, emboldened by the power of the Spirit, he goes out and the very first Christian sermon is preached, right? The very first church Right after you know, after Jesus has risen, the very very first time that they're on their own with the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter goes out and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior on that very first on that very first time, the church's birth, and so something is happening, something is going on, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when I was young, and I talked about this. Uh, there's something about understanding your own limitations, but even despite that, right, there's something inside of us that we all want to kind of be a superhero, right? We all kind of want to be, I, I, growing up, I wanted to be Batman. I, I told that to you guys last week. And it's funny, it, the I, irony of that is Batman actually has no superpowers. He's just this guy who's kind of pushed himself. But I still wanted to be Superman. I wanted to fly. I wanted to run fast. You know what I mean? I wanted to do all the, I wanted to have super strength. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, even as a young child, there was something in me that I understood, right, that, that I had this limitation. I understood that I was, fact, in fact, growing up, I'll be honest, you might not know this, but I was really, really small when I was a kid. 
May not, it may not ever, <laughs> what do you laugh, Crystal, what's so funny? I was always the smallest guy around, right? There was always, everyone always seemed bigger than me. They were always towering over me, and I always seemed, so, you know, I realized really, really quickly that, you know, strength for me, uh, yeah, nah, don't, don't, didn't have much. So that's probably why I became more of a mouth than, you know, actually physicality, uh, because that was how I had to fight. I had to be a quick mouth, and I had to be a quick runner. I always, I'll tell you this, I always found the biggest guy at school, and I befriended him. Always found the biggest guy. In fact, if I show you some of the pictures of my friends in high school, they were always taller than me. They are always bigger, brawnier than me. Uh, but I always found the biggest guys and hung out with them. Uh, <clears throat> but there's something about knowing that, you know what, I realize that I have limitations. But even despite that, there's something that says in me, but I want to be, I want to do bigger things. I want to do more than what my limitations give me, right? Everybody wants to, you know, to be a superhero. But it's interesting because God understands our physical limits and wants to help with that. In essence, we can become more uh, than who we are with his help or, or even we can become superhuman, right, with his help, with the, with the power and the gifting of the Holy Spirit. In, in John 14, 15, uh, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Further down in John 14, 25, he says, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you, but when the Father sends the advocate as my, uh, as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything that I have told you. Last two weeks, I said, how many of you are you're already becoming forgetful, Right? My wife, can t- she can have a full-on conversation with me, and then she can look me dead in the eye, and she goes, what did I just say? And I'll look right back at her and go, uh, I don't know, tell me again. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't listening. I wasn't, you know, or to be honest with you, she'll, you know, hey, honey, I need you to go get me this, this, and this at the store. By the time I drive all the way to the store, I'm calling her saying, okay, what is it that I need to get you again? Anybody else? Am I the only one that suffered? Yeah. I the, thank God for, for cell phones. Thank God for cell phones. Because I, before cell phones, I used to come home with the wrong items, and I would be making a second trip to the store. But the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit comes in and he helps us, and he reminds us everything that Jesus taught us. He brings to our memory. I'm telling you guys, I shared this the last time, but I'll say it again. You know, I, I don't know what you think when I'm up here like, wow, Matthew, man, he, he has a memory like a steel trap. He's got, you know, just spouting off. I, to be honest with you, don't know how all of a sudden something like in the scriptures will come to my mind. It is, I'm telling you, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit sometimes when I'm up here and I, all of a sudden just something pops in my head. Now, of course, it has to be in there first, right? But to bring it, you know, to recall it is really the power of the Holy Spirit living uh, inside of me and he can do it for you too. So I want to look, we talked about Pentecost uh, the last time, and now I want to look at one of the first miracles uh, that we see the early church or the disciples perform. So if you have your Bibles, if you would go to the book of Acts chapter 3, we're going to be starting in verse 1. I do have it if you don't have your Bibles or your Bible apps uh, with you, I will have it on the screen. I'm going to be reading it in the New Living Translation. I just, uh, when I read in public, it's just a very easy read uh, for you. So here we go. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part 
in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astonished. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. This is one of the pinnacle stories in fact as a Sunday school teacher I must have taught this story a hundred times there's even a a Sunday school song that goes with this story right do you you remember it remember it silver and gold have I none and such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ come on now of Nazareth rise up and walk He did what? He went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Very good. Good job. I still to this day can't hear anybody say silver and gold without all of a sudden having to sing that entire song in my head. If somebody says silver and gold this, silver and gold that, you know, those commercials come on trying to sell you silver and gold. The next thing I am is I'm walking and leaping and praising God. But this story can, it can become, you know, because it's such a, uh, a, a famous story in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's in the book of Acts. And it's taught so much. It could kind of get glazed over, but I really want to say, you know what, let's stop, let's analyze it for a second, and let's see, you know what, how how does this minister and teach me, how how is it that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, how I should be acting as the church, and what does that mean? So I want to take a look at this story a, a little bit closer. And here's just some of my thoughts about the story, and I apologize, there's no PowerPoint on this. These are just some of the thoughts that I have as I read the story. The first one is that Peter and John were still worshiping God in the temple, okay? That may not mean much to me and you, uh, but they were still going to the Jewish temple even though they were Christians, right? They were believers, but they were still honoring God and they were still going to worship God in the house of God, all right? It was still, the Jews were still God's people, The house of God was still the house of God, and they were still showing respect and honor, uh, you know, to to that. The lame man, listen to this, here, here, the lame man was lame his entire life, which means he would have never entered the temple. The closest he ever got 
was being put at the gate. It would be like if we all gathered in here for church every Sunday and there was a man who stood just right outside who couldn't come in. And every day as people would go to worship God, they would have passed him. This was his life, right? This was his life. The layman placed himself at the gate of the temple, knowing people would probably have pity on him, right? Where, where am I going to go ask for money? Well, to those, you know, those God-fearing people, because they've been told, you know, love others and give, you know, all that kind of stuff. You probably thought, what a good place to be, right? Go hang out where people might give me some money. Religious people probably would have helped meet his monetary and, and immediate need, right? And, you know, uh, the average person probably walking into the temple going to worship that day would have said, I got a couple coins, here you go, buddy. But that's all they were doing. They were only meeting an immediate need and they still were not touching this man where he really needed to be touched. And yet he was still, despite the good things that they were trying to do, he was still outside the temple. Are you tracking with me here? Sometimes, sometimes I think we feel this way and we resort to begging for God's love, right, and affection. Sometimes we feel that because of our circumstance or maybe because of our brokenness and maybe it's a brokenness that can't physically be seen, but we're the ones who kind of put ourselves on the outside looking in. God's in there. It's where I really desire to be, but because of my state, here I am. I am left begging at the gate. I felt like the Lord has this for somebody this morning. Stop begging. Stop begging for God's attention. Stop begging for God's love. Stop putting yourself on the outside and know that you are welcome inside. You're the one who's put yourself out there, not God, because God has welcomed you. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, you are welcome inside. You hear what I'm saying? Peter and John had nothing in the physical to offer. They didn't have any money on them. You know what I mean? It's like when you walk by and you see the homeless people and you do the... You know, anybody, you know, I have, I don't don't have anything, sorry. They had nothing, except they had one thing. They had the Holy Spirit. They had God's Holy Spirit within them, and they knew it. And they knew that they had an opportunity to help this man, despite the fact that they could not meet his monetary need. Despite the fact that they could not meet his physical need, they knew that they had something way more important and way more powerful. Peter and John spoke in authority and commanded the man to walk. They did not beg God or pray the, what I call the safe prayer, Right? By the way, this is not a, a rebuke because I've done this, but this is something I want you to, as a Christian, to ponder for a moment, okay? When people ask you, to, oh, will you please pray for me, you know what I mean? Especially people who are sick, right? Especially people who are really, really going through it. We have the tendency to pray like this, oh, Lord, would, if, if it would be so your, you know, would you please, and maybe, and if so, and if not, right? 
Anybody ever heard of someone pray like that? That kind of like, oh, well, you know, I love the fact that these two men of God, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, didn't go, hey, let me just lay hands on you with the authority that they had been given through Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They commanded that man to get up. They commanded that man. There was a faith that had been stirred up in them. And again, this is not a rebuke. I'm just asking you, how should we be acting as Christians and followers of Christ? The story is not just about the power of God healing a crippled man, but also two ordinary men doing something extraordinary, something not in their own power. All right, so here we go. Five lessons to be learned from this story, and this is it. This is, this, is the, this is the latter end of my sermon here. Five lessons to be learned from the story. So if you like writing things down, here you go. Lesson number one, God wants to give you more than you are asking for, okay? God wants to give you more than you are asking for. Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, that would be the Holy Spirit, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. By the way, that's you. So this isn't just for the early church. It's for you too forever and ever. Amen. Here's where I think as Christians are one of our number one problems. We put limitations on ourselves and God. We say, I can only go this far and this is it. This is all I can do. And even despite that, our own limitations, God says, but I want to do more with you. I have so much more for you. If you would only, when you walk up to that line, instead of saying, nope, this is where I stop, this is where my gifting stop, this is where, you know, this is all I can do, God says, I dare you step beyond that line and watch what I can do. Because it's not about you. It's not about you really, if you really think about it, it's not a selfish thing to say, God, I'm going to now let go and I'm going to let you Second lesson that we can be learned from this story. God wants to give us what we need. God wants to give us what we need. And let me tell you what this speaks to. This speaks to fear and anxiety that is crippling people. And by the way, I, I wrestle with this too. I am not at all standing up here saying that I've got it all figured out. Because to be honest with you, in just several hours I will go home. My head will be filled with all kinds of worries and things, and I will begin to fear, and I will begin to wonder, oh, God, oh, please, oh, please, you know, all that kind of stuff. It happens. But here's what the Word of God says in Matthew 6, 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So what should we do? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. You see, the beggar was begging, right? The beggar was begging. And they, God, met him right there and gave him exactly what 
he needed. Exactly what he needed. God cares about us, you guys. I don't know if you're one of those people that lives just in this constant fear that, you know, what about our money? You know, what about my family? You know, what about this? And, and fearing that, you know, somehow tomorrow that, the, the, you know, everything's going to come crashing to an end. And by the way, I have lived that way. I know what it feels like. So this isn't, again, this isn't a rebuke. But I am encouraging you and I am telling you, God is already in your tomorrow. And he's already figuring it all out for you. Trust in him because he already wants to give you what you need. You do not ever, ever have to go without. Number three, God can use you even when you think you have nothing to give. Here it is. I can't tell you how many times I have talked with Christians, with God-fearing people, with people that I look at and think, man, you guys are so amazing, who have said to me, I have nothing to contribute. That is an absolute lie. You may, and here's what we're doing. You are comparing yourself to someone else is what you're doing when you're saying that. You look at someone and you think, well, that person looks like, you know, a super Christian, Right? That person seems so eloquent, or that person seems so talented, or that person seems so bold. The thing is, is God has given each and every single one of you gifts, free gifts. There are things you can do that I can't. There are people that you know that I don't. There are, you know, God will use every single one of us if we are available. I want to look at Exodus 3, and I want you to look at what Moses says to God. When God himself approaches him and says, I want you to go free the people of Israel, uh, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people who are in bondage right now. This is how Moses talks to God. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And look how lovingly God talks to Moses. He said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent, uh, sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Even Moses, a patriarch of the Jewish people, even Moses said, I think you've got the wrong person, God. I want you just to think for a moment how silly that sounds, okay? Just think about it for a second. Think about how silly that sounds when, when God says, hey, I need you to do something for me, and our first reaction is, no, you've got the wrong guy. What you are saying is, is he's made a mistake. God does not make mistakes, okay? You be careful, we need to be very, very careful when God is calling us and he's asking us to do something and he's drawing us out. He says, you, you're the person, right? And your first reaction is, nope, not me, God. Be careful because what you are in essence saying is you got it wrong. God doesn't get it wrong. He does not get it wrong. In this same way, and just as God promised Moses, Jesus promised also that he would never leave us. Through his Holy Spirit, he said, I will never leave you. 
I will never leave you. I will be with you. I will send my Holy Spirit. I will send the advocate. I will send the helper. I will send the gift. You will never be without me. You will never be without my spirit. You will not be alone. Just as he's saying it right here to Moses. Number four. God wants us to openly acknowledge him when he has come to our rescue. Right? This is now the, this is now the beggar, the cripple. Psalms 35.10 says, With every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Let me explain. It's, it's not prideful to openly thank God when he has blessed you or when he has healed you or when he has saved you from something. There is nothing prideful about that because what it actually does is it, is it encourages the church. It actually builds up the church when somebody walks in here and says, you guys aren't going to believe what God did for me. Because then we all start to say, well, if he can do it for you, and I know you, I know you. If he can do it for you, he can do it for me, right? I'm going to be very honest. I'm going to be very honest, and this is something I, we need, and this is on me, you guys. This is on me. We need to have more people up here sharing their testimonies. We need to have more people up here telling us what God, what the great things God is doing in their life. Because if we don't, guess what? We forget. We forget how good God is. If we don't allow people up to come up here and share their testimony, guess what God has done for me? Man, I, we, were, we were this close to losing it all. We were this close. Our bank account was a penny. But God came through. God met us. God provided. He, he gave us exactly what we needed. Praise God. And then what that does is that builds up the church because then we say, you know what, if God's alive. He's moving. He's doing it. He's touching this person. He's doing that to this person. Well, man, I want that too, right? All right, here's my last one. And then you guys can all go home and take naps. <laughs> Number five, my last lesson to be learned from this story. God wants to perform his miracles through you. God wants to perform his miracles through you. Have you ever wondered why Jesus left? Right? Why did Jesus leave? Why didn't Jesus just stay on this earth and walk around healing people, raising people from the dead, and preaching, right? If you really, really think about it, it is actually, it's a beautiful thing that Jesus said it's not just about me. I actually want you guys to do this too. I want you guys to be a part of this. I want you guys to have some ownership in this thing. In fact, Jesus even says this uh, you know, outright in John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth. And by the way, anytime you see Jesus start out a sentence like that, you better be listening. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Okay, and you would think right there, oh, wow, that's a lot, right? If you believe, all it says, here's the, the prerequisite for this. Anyone who believes in me, anybody in here believe in Jesus Christ? Okay, well, that's you. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And, oh, wow, here we go. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. 
Jesus is saying, guess what, you guys? You get to be a part of this story. All you have to do is believe in me. In fact, I'm not going to stop at just the things I did. Even greater works are you going to do. Even greater things. And to be honest with you, what I really believe that meant was, you know, as the church at large, we would do way more than what Jesus did in just those three years of his ministry. That's what he was talking about. But by the same power of the same Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that, that you know, was upon Jesus to, to you, know, uh, you know, raise the dead and to heal the sick and to make the, the lame man walk, that same Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? I really believe you guys. This is, this is it. This is my, my closing statement, my closing encouragement to you. We need to not be afraid to be the church. We need to not be afraid. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you again. I, our world is becoming so dark. Things are becoming so twisted. People are becoming so bold in their sin. It's you know, th- that my first reaction is just to say, I want to go run and hide, right? Anybody else feel that way? You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody else feel that way? I kind of would just like to go find a little cabin, uh, you know, it were nowhere, and just live and just be with my family, and it would be great. But that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. He's asking us to go do greater works than he even did with the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what the church is supposed to be. That is what we are supposed to be doing. That when we gather here, right? As we gather here, we encourage each other. We lift each other up, right? We, we draw closer to God. And then the moment we step out there, that is when we say, okay, Holy Spirit, what would you have of me? What would you have me do? And then taking that leap of faith that when you feel the prompting, and by the way, I'm going to be honest with you again, I have done it. I totally felt like the Lord told me to do something, and I went, nope, nope, oh, I'm not going to do it. I have literally, you know, just walked by or driven by or, or completely ignored something I knew God was asking me to do. But by his grace and mercy, he said, okay, Matt, next time, next time. But don't ignore that voice too often. Because eventually you won't hear it anymore. But you want to strengthen that voice? Start obeying it. Start obeying that voice. When you hear that voice saying, I need you to do this. And you want to know, here's how I know it's God. Because I wouldn't normally do that. That's how I know, number one, that it's God. Because that is not something I would normally do. Two, it should scare the pejebus out of you. Right? It should scare you to death because three, it, you should come to the realization that there is no way I did that on my own power. There is no way I did that under my own personal authority. There is no way I did that out of my own strength. It was completely God. It had to have been God. And then when it happens, when it happens, let us all know. Let us, everybody know, oh my gosh, you guys, praise the Lord. Give to him be the glory, but praise God that this is what happened. Because then we'll go, you know what, we, we can do it too. I don't think we have much time left. I really don't. I really don't know how much time we have left. And I'm not one of those, I'm, you'll never ever hear me give a date to when Jesus Christ is coming back. Because that's in the Bible too. But I feel it. I feel it. 
And what I'm saying is let's not hesitate and let's not let fear and anxiety grip us to where we're not out there giving the Holy Spirit a chance for us to meet somebody's need. Because I'll guarantee you the moment you step out, the moment you are going to see needs abundant. Some of the needs may be even in your own family. Some of the needs may be even in your own community. Some of the needs may be in your own place of work. God's not asking you to go, you know, over to Africa or, you know, go around the world. He may be asking some of you to do that, but he's not asking every single one of you to do it. Each of you has a sphere of influence already. I will guarantee you, if you just figured out list of names of people you already know, guarantee you in that list, there's someone, if not more, who is in major need. And ask the Holy Spirit, okay, Holy Spirit, what can I do to meet that person's need? Guide me, show me. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I will give to you. We need to be talking like that, and we need to be thinking like that every single day of our Christian walk. Amen? Amen. Can I pray, pray for you and worship team? You guys can come back up as we close out our time together. Just, just close your eyes for a second, and really that's just so that you can kind of hear that voice. But as we go back into a time of worship, would you ask God today to give you his Holy Spirit? And by the way, he says anyone who asks, he does not hold back the Holy Spirit. He gives it to anyone who asks. If you have never, ever received the Holy Spirit, you can receive it right here and right now. If you have never ever said, Jesus Christ, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, you can do that right here and right now. It's not something that you have to wait for. But then you can say, Holy Spirit, come. Dwell inside of me. And I want you right now, I, I sense it that there's even some of you saying, but I'm not worthy of it. Stop it. Stop it. You are worthy. God, because of what Jesus Christ has done, you are worthy of it. And he gives it to you freely, and it says all you have to do is believe. So ask, Holy Spirit, come. Show me and guide me. Let me see through your eyes, not my own. Let me see the needs of those around me. And may I be empowered and be emboldened by the power of your spirit, Father God, to act upon it, to not walk by anymore, to not let someone else sit outside the temple any longer. But if I have an opportunity to meet their need, something I forgot to share you, after that, after it says he went walking and leaping and praising God, he entered the temple. The man who was once crippled, the man who was once begging, because of the power of the Holy Spirit through two disciples, he now got to enter into God's house, enter into God's presence. That is the picture. That is the picture. 
do not be afraid anymore. Do not be fearful anymore. Do not let those things hinder you anymore. Do not disqualify yourself anymore. But be emboldened, be empowered by the Holy Spirit who has been offered freely to you. Father God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would fall afresh upon us this morning, Lord God. And Lord, we receive it. We receive it, Lord God. We are all worthy of it, Lord. Would you use us to meet the needs of those around us, Lord God? May we learn to listen to that voice, listen to your voice telling us, guiding us, showing us. May we learn to be obedient to it and act upon it. Because in doing so, we will hear you more clearly and more clearly every single time. And when things happen, may we rejoice, may we make it public, and may we praise you for what you're doing. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what you're doing, Lord God. Receive it this morning. Receive the Holy Spirit this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit would wash over you so heavy that you would continue to sense his presence with you even as we leave today. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you. And we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.